The World of Bonds is back. Welcome to season two of Uncle Jim's World of Bonds. They said it would never last. It's Monday, the 7th of September 2020, and this is the World of Bonds. Let's start then with a look at what's been going on in fixed income markets since we've been off air. Uh, quite a lot of big picture stuff going on, actually, with a new Fed mandate around average inflation targeting. Um, Japan's Abe is stepping down, um, so we'll talk later in the week, hopefully, about what that means for his three hours of fiscal stimulus, um, monetary stimulus and structural reform. And also we've seen the sad death of David Graeber, who wrote the anthropological uh, textbook about debt called uh, Debt. Um, we'll talk about that as well later this week. But I thought we'd ease ourselves in gently back into the world of bonds by quickly summarising today what's been going on over the past month or so since we've been away. I hope you have all had good summers. In government bond markets, it has been a case where short-dated bond yields are pretty much pinned at their all-time lows or near them. US two-year government bond yields are at 14 basis points. Gilt yields negative out to five years. Uh, the two years is at minus five basis points and the two-year bund at minus 70 basis points. There is very little volatility in short-dated uh, government bonds at the moment. No expectation of higher central bank rates to come for years and um, a relatively small chance of places like the US going negative as well. So not a lot of movement there, but it is a different story for long-dated bonds. And we've seen some quite significant curve steepening, especially at the very long end of the market. I'm talking about 30-year government bond here, yields here. So at the start of August, the 30-year US Treasury yield was at 1.2%. It's now at nearly 1.5%. It's at 1.47% today. In capital terms, that's a 7% uh, loss for investors over that period. Pretty significant uh, losses. So why are government bond yield curves steepening? Well, firstly, um, we, we will talk about that new Fed average inflation targeting regime later in the week. But inflation expectations are generally rising, having collapsed dramatically in March. You know, five-year inflation expectations in the US got down to 0.2% per year um, over that period. They're now above um, where they were going into the crisis. So five-year inflation expectations in the US are at 1.6% right now. And as I say, you know, that, that is partly due to some expectations of global economic recovery. Partly it's down to some changes to um, the Fed's inflation mandate um, as well. So that's one reason why long-dated bonds are doing less well than short-dated bonds. An expectation that inflation may well come back into the economic system, having been completely absent for decades, effectively. The second reason is about net supply. And we've talked in this podcast a lot that there's very weak academic uh, evidence that higher government bond issuance results in higher government bond yields. But there is some, again, relatively weak evidence. But, you know, if you're looking for something to hang your hat on, higher net supply of government bonds can result in steeper yield curves. Expectation of more and more issuance means that investors shy off investing in long-dated bonds. Um, and in the US in particular, for the rest of the year, we've got huge net positive supply of US Treasury bonds. 
and perhaps that's weighing on the market and leading to these slightly steeper yield curves uh, there. Germany, you don't see this effect at all. You know, the German yield curve hasn't moved to anything like the same extent, and I think they have negative net supply, so not as much government bond issuance after QE compared to the United States and indeed the UK. As I say, the evidence isn't very strong, but if you're looking for an explanation, that might be the one you choose. Let's talk about credit now. Um, the last two days of last week were pretty weak, actually. We saw the equity market route. Uh, the Nasdaq at one stage was, was off around 10% over the, those two days. Uh, but generally, this has been against the backdrop of huge uh, demand for corporate bonds, both high yield and investment grade. And we've seen a continuous grind lower in credit spreads over this period, despite expectations that default rates will continue to rise. Uh, but we haven't seen as many high-profile defaults or worries in the market as we did in those early days post-coronavirus. So the, the economic backdrop is perceived to be a bit more benign and we haven't seen the kind of uh, fearful defaults that we were expecting earlier in this process. So that demand has led to US investment-grade dollar bonds tightening in over August from around about 350 basis points spread over governments to 315. Uh, high yield, I've uh, seen a similar you know, 20 something basis point tightening down to just over 500 basis points for high yield US dollar um, credit. Um, and in general, we've seen risk assets do very well. So CDX emerging market uh, bonds 190 basis points at the start of August down to 170 now. So risk assets doing very well, government bonds starting to wobble a little bit. But as I say, the end of last week was quite weak for risk assets. So it'd be interesting to see what happens as we go into uh, September. Final thing to talk about is currency. The big story of the year has obviously been that the US dollar has weakened substantially since March. Uh, we're about 10% lower than the high that the dollar index got to uh, in March. Um, mainly the euro has benefited at the expense of the US dollar in terms of appreciation, but much more stable in August. And in fact, the dollar uh, hasn't moved really very much at all since the end of uh, July against its major trading partners. We have seen though emerging markets, antipodean currencies, uh, much stronger uh, in general against the dollar. And in particular, in August, the one big outperformer against the US dollar has been the, the Chinese renminbi, which, um, you know, if you look at where we started the year, it was 710. It's now down at 683. So not a dramatic move, but we have seen a relentless move um, higher for the Chinese renminbi. Again, really making it difficult for Donald Trump and others to say that they've been manipulating their currency against um, their major trading partners. In fact, that the Chinese might well be getting worried about the strength of the renminbi at these kind of levels. The pound has been relatively strong, but we are having a bit of a wobble this morning on that Brexit story um, that we may be starting again effectively um, with our trade talks, uh, which resume this week without really much to go on and that the government is preparing to tear up some of its existing agreements as well. So a uh, hard Brexit looking likely. Final thing I would say for a sign off for today is if you want to read uh, the best bit of journalism um, over the summer, it came from the FT, it's Dan McCroom's uh, piece about Wirecard, the German financial services business 
the investigations around the fraud that went on there and the fact that it looks like the company set private investigators up against him and the Financial Times. So try and get hold of this weekend's FT if you can and read that piece of journalism. Uh, fantastic stuff. I'll speak to you later this week to talk about things like the Fed um, and um, the other stuff we talked about earlier, including David Graeber and Abe's resignation in Japan. Have good weeks, everyone. Bye.